and welcome to a very special episode of the DMs Book Club, a podcast where we get together, read some Dungeons and Dragons, and discuss how we might include it in our role-playing campaigns. Joining me today, his first ever time on this podcast, but surely not the last, my good friend David as our guest host. David, how are you? Hi Fiona, I'm very good, <laughs> thank you. How are you? Uh, better for seeing you. Oh, I like oh, how we're pretending we didn't just have this exact no. conversation <laughs> five minutes ago. It's, it's you know, it's it's, it's almost positive. word for word. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, what have you been up to, David? Today or generally? Yeah, generally, yeah. Um, well, I did. Oh, this is a big thing. I got my hair cut for the first time since quarantine. Hey, congratulations. Yes. It's no longer constantly itching in my face, which is beyond a plus. And King's Cross at 5pm was did not make me want to either kill myself or someone else. So, you know. Win, win, win. Yeah. The fact that that's all I can say I've been up to, though, is very telling that we're still kind of in social isolation, <laughs> isn't it? It is true. I mean, I've not been out the house in two days, and it's fine. You so, say that like it's a bad thing. Sorry, I've not been out the house in two days. There we go. <laughs> ah. So, David, you have chosen the topic for this special episode. What are we reading about today? So today I kind of wanted to talk about the Paladin class which will probably lead to a lot of groans from some people and a lot of cheers from others. <laughs> in that I think paladins... Now, I'm going to start this with a controversial statement. Oh, hang, on. hang on, I'm ready. Let me just... Yeah, you, you buckled up. <sighs> I don't see right. that in. Okay. I believe, played right, a paladin is the best class for role-playing potential. You hear that? Tumbleweed. <laughs> Right, yeah. The sound right. of riot is surging toward my house. <laughs> well, why do you think that? Well, obviously, I think if you think about a class that kind of fuels your role play, the first thing you're going to think of, at least I think like the immediate first thought, is probably Warlock, isn't it? You've got a patron. The patron's going to ask you to do stuff. It might not be very good. You may have to go against them and then deal with like that whole shebang. Mm -hmm. I believe I just said shebang. Shebang. And it has this immediate sense of it, but the Paladin, I think they kind of get a bad rap. Mm. Like, you know, it's like what you see on all the D&D &D subreddit and all the memes and stuff, you know, the idea that there is the Paladin, the Paladin is lawful good, mm -hmm. and sucks the fun out of the rest of the party. <laughs> In fact, I am reasonably sure that my lawful good Paladin sucks the fun out of our Monday nights, being the responsible one that has to go... <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't charge in face first. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just a thought. I agree with you. There is this sort of stereotypical image that, and it talks about it quite a bit in the player's handbook, but also the other places where Xanathar's Guide and stuff yeah. talks about like paladins, that basically paladins, their main thing is righteousness. Yes. But someone's righteousness is different to another person's righteousness so again it's yeah. constantly this sort of uh, battle of being like well i what i'm doing is good and anyone else that gets to the standard is not so instantly when you have a very chaotic party you've got you know like you've got spellcasters or you've got fighters and yeah. you've got all sorts of things and then you have a paladin who has a moral code that they have to adhere to and then may make everyone else adhere to. It, yeah. yeah, instantly there is that sort of like, let's say you have a friend who's become vegan. Uh, it's that sort of level where, you know, m most of the time, I will say most of the time, people who are vegetarians or vegans are very, very respectful. And, they, you know, if they're asked about it, they yeah. will... 
gave you information. So, but again, stereotypically, you do get in comic shows and in, in TV and films, you always get that one person who's just constantly banging on about it and ruining it for the rest of us. <laughs> and I say that as a partial vegetarian myself. Like it's yeah. just, it's just depressing, I guess. Yeah, and it's because I think this is the issue because it is considered like, oh, the paladin doesn't want us to do this. Our role play is being limited. Mm. But at the same point, we have to think of D&D, and I guess this is a thing that I've always believed with D&D. Some people will regard it as you go in, you want to have fun with your character and see how the plot affects your character. And I think this is already going on to something wider than just let's chat about holy warriors. (laughs) I think that can sometimes be a big issue. Mm. with some groups in that, you know, this this is collaborative storytelling. If we don't appreciate it as that, you're going to stop having fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big thing. Now, my point with that was with the Paladin always, well, not always, but more often than not being the one to go, no, we won't con this person just because they have a bit of a snooty attitude. What they're doing here is essentially good. It doesn't matter how they're talking to us we won't do this they can kind of feel like the one that's limiting everyone which i get like looking at it on paper i understand that that makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. but for me the thing which i have enjoyed both playing one being a player witnessing other players be one and dming for one as well is it's one of those classes that the more you throw into it the more you're going to get out like if we just look at D&D classes in a whole for a second, mm-hmm. best example I can give, a friend of mine has a character who cannot physically stand to be around a wizard. Mm. This has sparked so many debates <laughs> because we had the conversation of what is a wizard. Mm-hmm. And my understanding of it is a wizard is just someone who has learned magic via study. Uh, just like you've got a sorcerer, someone who has innate magic, hard plays an instrument, warlock made a shady deal somewhere. So if you look at it in that way, a lot of classes, they are so different from each other, but also they're not a way of life. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, a fighter is someone who is trained with many weapons that specialize in a certain way. Mm-hmm. A rogue is trained with weapons, but they're completely different. A barbarian is trained with loads of weapons, but they're completely different. However, it's not a way of life. Whereas as a paladin, who you are is so intrinsically linked to being a paladin. Mm. Well, I say that. Who you are is intrinsically linked once you hit level three. And that's a good point. So obviously, with all the classes, when you get to level three, after the what I call the tutorial levels, you can yes. then get to choose the sacred oath. So what Side kind note, of paladin? Isn't it super ironic that level one to three is probably the easiest to get killed in? Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. Tutorial, and you can just die. <laughs> that bandit got a natural 20. And then that's interesting as well, because then it's, it's very limited that you probably won't be able to bring that character back. Uh, yeah. as well because you probably won't have any any spells or any money for that so exactly. yeah i agree you can specialize oh you, you can specialize and it says in the book so you know when you get to level three you can just choose or you can start from the beginning like what mm. are you going to what kind of 
specialization are you going to go with and with dnd certainly in the the player's handbook you have three you've got the oath of devotion yeah oath of ancients and yeah. oath of vengeance yes. um i was wondering if possible if you can like sort of tell me the difference between those three yeah so i always understood it to be and obviously someone else is going to have their own interpretation on this I always understood the Oath of Devotion to be your classic, stereotypical knight in shining armor, Sir Galahad the Pure sort of deal. You know, you you are a force for good. You do what is just, what is right. You have no tolerance of evil, but you don't seek war. You know, you are the Captain America, the <laughs> Superman of your D&D party. Mm -hmm. It's just this understanding, this being the best person that you could possibly be, lead, you know, the battle for the uh, material plane soul, by example. Then you've got the Oath of Ancients, which I affectionately nickname in my mind as Druids in Heavy Armor. Yeah. (laughs) Now, that's not to, you know, besmirch them in absolutely any way, shape, or form. I think the Oath of Ancients is really cool. Mm. And if you are having, like, uh, say... Uh, and if you have like an elf or a, even like a sort of sylvan paladin, it'd be perfect mm. because you know you've got your fey ancestry there, which really melds in well with like nature and everything. You can live to like you're a thousand years old or something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh yeah, by the way, you're now a tree in terms of lifespan. Well done. <laughs> and it's you know it's really quite interesting. Mm. Then there's the oath of vengeance which out of the player's handbook one is my personal favorite as mm. you know yep <laughs> yeah which is and we'll have to circle back to this because i'm going to touch on alignment very briefly it's one of the few palette alignments that says this one might not actually be lawful good even though when you look at the defining all of the alignments under lawful good it says paladins are this mm-hmm. the oath of vengeance is i understand, always understood the oath of vengeance to kind of be a bit like the Punisher, mm-hmm. if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the paladin that has decided that is the thing that needs to go. I will stop it at any cost. And the tenets of the Oath of Vengeance are absolutely like brutal. I was looking over them because my, of all people, my mother was asking about how it all works. That genuinely fascinated, which is the most adorable thing ever. Yeah. And she was asking how an oath works. And, you know, we were just kind of discussing the tenets. So you've got fight the greater evil. You've got fight the greater evil. You know, this idea of that's the thing that needs to go. Mm-hmm. You take care of it. But at the same point, it's kind of like, it, it's more the ends justify the means. In that, you know, let's say your paladin has sworn the oath of vengeance to fight the big bad guy that is going to wipe out the entire world. The Oath of Vengeance, depending on your character, if a thousand people have to die for that to be done, the Oath of Devotion would go, no, it's not worth the cost, we'll find another way. The Oath of Vengeance goes, fine. Mm -hmm. It's a sacrifice I'll have to make because it's a lot darker. You know, we have things like no no mercy for the wicked. You know, the Oath of Devotion, Some uh, the bandit is lay on the ground, bleeding the weapon is far away from them they ask for mercy the oath of devotion gives it the oath of vengeance says no Mm. because 
you've been given your opportunity. It's very striking, actually. So I agree. Like, I think when you think Paladin, you instantly think of the Oath of Devotion. That's, yeah. that's it. When you think Paladin, that's the one. Yeah, and that totally makes sense. I feel, I think, realistically, that is the sort of most common Paladin type I have seen in, well, in D&D in general. remember when they did the, uh, when they released what the most common subclasses were for each class. Uh, vaguely, yeah, on yeah, D&D no, Beyond, yeah. That was it, yeah. And I think it was supposed to be that the Oath of Devotion had something like in the mid-30% mm-hmm. range, but like 35% or something like that of all Paladins are Oath of Devotion. Like It was the highest by a sizable margin. Mm, and and that's it's interesting, like just looking at the stuff you get. So yeah, as you were saying, David, the I, I like the line is that the sort of uh, paladins hold up the lofty ideals of justice, virtue, and order. Yeah. And their their own tenets are like honesty, courage, compassion, honor, duty. It feels very yeah. uh, feels very girl guide. I've got to be honest. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> we're we're absolutely looking at the girl guides here. You would expect <laughs> the oath of devotion paladin to find a girl guide selling like, I don't know, we're not in America, but like cookies or mm-hmm. something and go and help. And they, they obviously their sort of imagery that they use are, are sort of angelic, like angels are yeah. their ideal. So they've got yeah. angelic wings on their helms or coat of yeah. art, you know, and you're like, okay, great. And then like, my favorite thing is obviously when you get to uh, level 20, ah, the big one, the, the holy nimbus. So you become an, they have an aura of sunlight. So you're like, like yeah, sunlight, sun is shining out your ass. <laughs> like, yeah, literally. You've been pretending it is for the last 19 levels. There you go. Well done. Good job sticking it out, champ. And and then going to the like literally the opposite side, the offenders. To me, yeah, like as you pointed out, it feels very almost Batman-like in a way. Like it is. It's so merciless. But like the fact that like early on, it talks about like they are willing to sacrifice even their own righteousness to meet out the justice so that yeah. they might have to fall. So you think, like you said, Punisher, Batman, all those sort of superheroes yeah. who are like, the darkness, I must stop it, but I am also dark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I, I quite like that. And then again, they're, they're sort of known as sort of Dark Knight's Avengers and then Avenging Angel is their final yeah. form, as it were. You, you have wings that sprout from your back. Uh, <laughs> Not in the nice way, though. No, yeah. the really ugh, horrible way. It's like the Holy Nimbus, you imagine, the wings are like this kind of brilliant white light. You know, you can kind of picture the halo, can't you? Mm-hmm. With the Avenging Angel, I always pictured wings of, like, fire. Oh, Yeah. Because yeah, almost like bone wings. I was thinking of like Ooh, yeah. skeletal, almost like really like one is the angel of light, one's the angel of death. Literally, that it, if anything um, reminds me of like good omens in a way, where you have like yes. uh, oh, this is where I can't remember their names, but basically Michael Sheen and David Tennant's characters, yeah. and you see them together. But I actually, and I, this is the thing, I, I have played a Paladin once a very, very long time ago. It was my first yeah. character, and I think it was an Oprah Devotion one. So I, and this is when I was a pre-made character. I, have no, I still have no idea what I'm doing, but I didn't have any idea what I was doing back then either. But Oath of Ancients, reading it, I actually really like it. So their tenants as well, compared to the other two, is, like you said, it feels very sort of elven, very druidy. Yeah. It's like, kindle the light, shelter the light, preserve your own light. So you've got a bit of mental health in there as well. Preserve your own light. <laughs> preserve your should own we light. Just, should we just say that to people when we end the conversation? Okay, continue. Preserve your own light. <laughs> 
presential light and then be the light so again that, that's i quite like that as a sort of a almost like a very lofty self-help thing yeah the oath of ancient paladins they are doing fine they probably love meditation but they have two really interesting things for me so obviously all all of these paladins and obviously the other oaths which we'll get on to all have a that they have all these auras so you obviously aura yeah. of devotion you can't be charmed within 10 feet you've got uh, for the oath of vengeance you've got Got the relentless avenger, haven't you? Oh yes, that's right. The supernatural focus helps you close off an, a foe's retreat. So the fact that you you can hit a creature with an opportunity attack when they're running away from you, you can just follow and them. You just follow. <laughs> it's it almost reminds me of the Terminator. Yes, just not stopping like Terminator yeah, Two. Yeah, because it's you move up to half your movement. So this, let's say, this thing has run. 30 feet away from you you're essentially just walking up to it <laughs> and it's like everything can't make an attack of opportunity against you mm. so i'm just i'm just picturing all these other things just shocked by the sheer terrifying stare and gall of a paladin just walking after someone yeah it's very the badass with the explosions behind yeah, them oh yeah explosions going on behind them but then like the, so the oath of ancients so there i feel their stuff is again because i hadn't really read it until now yeah their order is the Order, um, aura of warding, sorry. Yeah. Resistance to damage from spells within 10 yeah. feet. Holy shit, that you is just, so fucking useful. Aura shield. Yeah. And then Undying Sentinel. So when you drop to zero HP and not killed outright, you could just decide to drop to one hit point instead. Yeah. <laughs> no biggie. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine, actually. This was okay. And then their sort of final form, this Elder Champion, where, again, you can, like you said, assume the, the sort of form of an ancient force of nature, and you can just regain 10 hit points at the start of every turn. You can cast Paladin spells uh, as a bonus action if they are an action. Yep. And creatures within 10 feet have disadvantage on your spells. And I'm like, why are more people playing these? Is it, I wonder if it's because of the way they look perhaps because obviously it's very fey like you can like you said would you become a tree or would you become like a, a stag with like antlers and stuff and still hit the thing i don't know I, I... it's a very interesting point i think the only reason the i don't know how well played the oath of ancients is in my sort of view of it the only reason why it's probably not as played is that it's so specific mm -hmm. like you have to be full-on almost druidically loyal to nature mm -hmm. and i guess with that someone might just ask why not play a druid oh uh, yeah I, I think that's that's very true as well i mean looking at there's the other thing as well which i'm, I'm we've not really spoken about is uh, obviously their channel divinity yes. where they specialize in at least two sort of the special powers that they can do at resets on a short and long rest yeah mm -hmm. i thought for a year it was long rest yeah and well i was dming a paladin and he goes um it's a short rest and i was just like what <laughs> yeah explosions <laughs> I, and i text uh, ryan our dm just like it's a short rest and he goes yeah i was wondering when you were going to figure that out <laughs> so looking at say the child divinities for uh, the oath of the ancients so you have nature's wrath where you can get spectral vines that come up and grapple your foe which is yeah, quite you're good. not going anywhere 
which yeah is super cool but then you have turn the faithless where each fae or fiend must make a wisdom save throw it's essentially like i think most people will be aware of turn the unholy which is uh, a similar thing where you get out this aura and undead and fiends uh have to make a saving throw otherwise they they they're turned which means they sort of run away from you and can only run away from you and i think maybe again when you're starting out you're more likely in a campaign perhaps unless you're told specifically beforehand you're going to face undead yes. and this is and this because it's such a powerful thing because just it's all undead within 10 feet yep. of you just go go all you need to do is stand in the front of the party in like a corridor or whatever mm-hmm. and that's it and the oath of vengeance is abjure enemy which is uh interesting that one because yeah. the others are run away abjure enemy stops things from running yes which i quite like Thematically, it absolutely suits it. It's, you know, because we have the idea of the other oaths, the Oath of Devotion, the Oath of Ancients, you almost get the point looking at the abilities. They don't want to kill. You know, the things run away. Uh, they, they just, they get rid of them. They get them out of the field and that's fine. This is the paladin that doesn't want to push aggression. It doesn't want to be violent. Mm-hmm. Whereas you've got the Oath of Vengeance, which is, you know, things don't run away. It's abjure enemy. It stays where it is. It's mm-hmm. stuck, helpless, as the paladin essentially just comes in for the killing blow. Mm-hmm. Which is just further kind of proof that it's so so dark. I would argue until one of the other oaths came out, because oathbreaker technically is an oath, but it's in the DM's guide, so mm-hmm. we we will talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we can grant it the same kind of level of player choice with that one. Well, let's talk about the Oathbreaker one. So well, d- describe sort of briefly what it is. How do you become an Oathbreaker Paladin? So the Oath, and this again kind of goes back to the role-playing of it with the Paladins. You've got your Oath. Let's say you are a Oath of Ancients. You know, let, let's let's do that. That's, that's an interesting one that we've been discussing. Let's go for that. Yeah. You're an Oath of Ancients. You are dedicated to the forest. You violate that. You do something, not sure what, but you completely violate your oath willfully. Like a paladin who willfully violates their oath loses it. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think the Oathbreaker is probably one of the most interesting. I'd considered it as an idea mm-hmm. for our campaign. Mm until I read all the abilities and went, oh no, this is designed to be used against players. Yeah. This, we have this thing with the Oathbreaker. It's, you know, you've broken your oath. You've completely violated it willfully. And it's supposed to be that you lose all of your powers because a paladin's skills come from their powers, don't they? That's mm-hmm. where they get everything. This isn't a fighter that's well trained. It's not a, it's not a sorcerer that just woke up one day and magic. It's it's more complicated than that. You've got your oath that gives you your strength. You choose to violate that. You should lose everything, but instead you don't. That, in my opinion, is probably the most interesting thing because you've chosen to go against it and it's supposed to be like if you're serving a god is this an interesting thing about paladins you can serve a god or you can just be like you have sworn an oath and the Mm -hmm. fact that you have sworn an oath with such zeal and vigor gives you your power Mm -hmm. you've violated that if you've gone against your oath you should lose all your powers 
they don't they just change mm -hmm. that's so interesting to me it basically says in the thing it's a temptation isn't it that i think and it's something that i think all of us in real life actually deal with is this you know we know what is right and what is wrong or we yeah. at least hope so and we stand to our own objective in, in quotation marks ideals but if we go against it it's almost like a sliding scale like it's just slowly going down and i think with the oath breaking it says that you must be at least third level which makes sense because yeah. it's an oath yeah it must be evil and i i mean i don't know about you personally david but i've never played an evil character ever i've i've not i've played i've played characters that are so close to evil mm. um you know i mean with the chaotic neutral gets a bad rap <laughs> I I don't think chaotic neutral. I know that some people completely swear off chaotic neutral and his alignment because it tends to just be the excuse of oh I'm going to go over here and kill some stuff, but I don't want to say I'm evil. Mm -hmm. But I know some people like are so drawn to chaotic neutral because you know it's like it's the full rebel choice, isn't it? You're you're not obeying the law. You're not a good guy. You're not a bad guy though. So the idea of this having never played, well, we've both never played evil characters. Mm -hmm. It's like, actually playing an evil character. I can't imagine how difficult that must be. I mean, both of us have played, obviously, video games. Um, yeah. And I, I, again, I think you do this more than I do. Um, I rarely go down the evil track or the evil choices of stuff first. Yeah. I'll always try and do the best I can. Exactly. And, e and even when something bad happens, sometimes I will go back and try and fix it. Because I feel yeah. suddenly, and it's a mixture of the stories and stuff, obviously both of us, you know, we've, we're both really into sort of The Last of Us and stuff like that. And some of the choices, mm. which, and again, obviously The Last of Us is not necessarily a branching choice thing, mm. but you have to, not, this is minor spoilers for the story, so don't worry, but it, it's not, but not really, but like you have to at some points kill dogs that are trying to yeah. track you. But obviously in some of the cutscenes or some of the early scenes, you're playing with dogs and then you're playing different characters who have the dogs, the companions that yeah. you you know, the other Bill, character you play, you know you're about to, yeah. It's... And it's, I know obviously this is the thing, it, I don't know why it's dogs, um, but obviously if it's, I think it's the first time I've played a game that does flip that. And it's like, so this 12 hours, we're gonna go back to the start and use a different character to see the other side of it. And then you meet various people that have popped up in the previous one, you go, I killed that person really mm. brutally. Yeah. And just seeing that interaction that they are a bad guy for one person, but they're actually a, a complex human person that was just on guard, yeah. was just on shift doing their job because they're a small cog in a big evil machine, in quotation marks. And, and I think with Oathbreaker, like you said, it is, I, th I think with this, actually, you have made that choice. And I think it's very hard to come back because it talks yeah. about like you can atone for it. So there's a you have oh, yeah, one a whole thing, isn't you you have a one choice to atone and become a true paladin once more. And you, but you must shed your evil alignment and demonstrate this through words and thoughts. So again, role play essentially, yeah. which is great. And then you could choose a different oath if you want. But if you break that one again, there's no going back. And I thought that was absolutely fascinating because one of the other uh, oaths later on, oath of redemption, their yeah. whole thing is saying that anyone can be redeemed anyone at all and even they say that they face evil creatures in hope of turning their foes to the light and slay enemies only when such a deed clearly will save other lives but they hope they're redeemers not necessarily uh, idealistic it's such a bold choice to suddenly go we're going to do an oath breaker and it's something that i don't think i'd be able to role play and i say this there's no way of role playing correctly because there's no that's not a thing. yeah of course, of course but i just feel like i don't think i could commit to it 
for a long campaign without either sucking the joy out of everything yeah or not being happy with it because knowing that i have to like you said work against my friends and my party members it is interesting that you bring up the Oath of Redemption, however, because especially considering the fact that a paladin can fall, can become an Oathbreaker, and can redeem themselves, I don't know if it was something I would ever play, because at the same point, you have to think, we shouldn't do this, but we all do. You think mechanically a lot as well. However, at the same point, just from a purely creative role-playing perspective, I cannot think of a single greater journey for a character to go on from level one to level 20 going, let's say, let's say starting as Oath of Devotion, or maybe what would be probably a bit more thematic, let's say you start as an Oath of Vengeance Paladin. You have your goal, the thing that needs to get got, and you pursue that with dogged determination. And then bit by bit, because, you know, by any means necessary, that's the oath. Mm-hmm. the character begins to enjoy the cruelty enjoy it. I, obviously the oath breaker is you go against that but part of the oath of vengeance it doesn't say how much you have to go against it which i think gives us a bit of leeway here for creativity a bit of leeway for role playing mm-hmm. part of the oath of vengeance which it's the one thing in the tenets of vengeance that almost doesn't seem to suit mm-hmm. is just the last one is restitution which very simply says if evil has devastated somewhere, it is because you failed to stop it. Mm. Like the weight is on you, and you will do whatever you need to do to get that place back to what it should be. Mm. So, all it would take, if you imagine this kind of story we've created now, is an Oath of Vengeance paladin who doesn't manage to save like a village or a town or a city, and instead just focused on the goal, moves on. Mm. does not attempt restitution that's violating the oath they fall they become an oath breaker totally agree it's like it could literally just be you didn't save that one person and violated your oath it feels very batman-esque or very sort of thing like you you suddenly blame yourself because you didn't do enough yeah and i think I agree with you. I feel like it's a very optional thing, perhaps. Yeah. And maybe more of a personality trait or a, a flaw, perhaps, yeah. rather than oh, a, a tenant. Uh, it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. So if we imagine you've violated this oath, you've willfully chosen not to stay and provide restitution, repair, whatever. You fall. You choose to fall. You lose your oath. You become the oath breaker. And then after a certain amount of time, you redeem yourself, and then you find the Oath of Redemption in that. Mm. Going from Oath of Vengeance to Oathbreaker to Oath of Redemption would be an absolutely phenomenal character arc. <laughs> I cannot think of a better one, all done within one class. And Definitely. according to the mechanics, completely feasible. And just to sort of go into a little bit more detail about the Oath of Redemption. So it's in Xanathar's Guide. Yeah. Um, and it says from the outset that, yeah, it's a difficult path because it requires a holy warrior to only use violence as the last option, which, yeah. as we sort of talked about, is interesting because, again, there's that sort of like you are right and wrong and you will strike those are down. But this instantly tells you that only is it as a last resort. Their tenets are very straightforward. So peace, innocence, patience and wisdom. Patience yeah. and wisdom are quite interesting i think and uh, it makes sense for for a knight of, of an order to to do that and I, I know we're sort of jumping ahead to like the final level well it's it's the definitive skill though isn't it 
it is like the idea that it's called emissary of redemption and the avatar of peace which is great um you have resistance to all damage dealt to you by other creatures so attacks spells like, things just things just don't want just, to. Just, they just bounce off you. Yeah. If anything, I imagine it's oh, this is why I'm going to get the name of the film wrong now. But it's the the second most recent Star Wars one. Uh, was it the Last Skywalker? Where you the see, Last Jedi? Oh no, it's the the one where spoilers. Luke dies. Um, the Last Jedi. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Look, all right. The Last Jedi, where he's on the planet and he's just stood there, and all the sort of—I know he's not real. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what it looks like. like. These things are just bouncing off him. And all yeah. the, it looks super cool. It's, yeah. It's it's exactly like that. And whenever a creature hits you with an attack, it takes radiant damage equal to half the damage you took. Fine. So yeah. So if it attacks you, it gets damaged by you. But obviously, if you start to attack it. Well, that that doesn't work. None of this works. So you have to be again very not only role player but very tactical mm. in how you are fighting. You know, you can maybe oh, what well, it's basically it's making people fight you, getting into the battle, and they're not doing anything, which is a test of patience, a test of will, not to just like because you probably at this level you're going to be super strong. You are yeah. going to hit things and you, they're going to take a lot of damage but is it worth for role play just to stand there and take this damage whilst other people you know whilst the enemy is getting hurt exactly it's when i think of the oath of redemption especially at that level mm-hmm. you imagine when someone channels it you can kind of picture someone just lowering the sword and shield because of course an oath of redemption paladin is not going to use a two-handed weapon <laughs> no <laughs> yeah if anyone's going to use a two-handed weapon it's vengeance or the other one will get to mm-hmm. you know you just picture them lowering the weapon lowering the shield and just saying i don't want to fight you but standing between them and their allies. As a dragon or whatever is about to breathe fire, you just stand. Mm. It's amazing. And yes, that's just another aspect of why I think it's the best role-playing class, because (laughs) that dictates the kind of character you have. And that's quite interesting. Again, I know we're talking a lot about the roleplay rather than the mechanics, which is totally great, actually. Mm. But in Xanathar's, it yes. expands on the paladins in general, not only with obviously more oaths, which we'll quickly skip over, but the idea of having more roleplay aspects. So looking at like a personal goal, like why did you become a paladin? And it gives you yeah. a table to roll upon. What is your holy symbol? Because, you know, you could, you could be whatever deity symbol is, or you could choose it to be something else and you could choose what it's on. Again, a inspiration table there. But then, David, my favourite, my favourite is the Nemesis table. Of course, of course, of course, of course. (laughs) A paladin would have a nemesis, whether it would be, you know, someone who is the epitome of evil, like like Ash versus Gary in Pokemon. That that is, Gary is the epitome of evil. Exactly. Wait until you've gone to pick the next Pokemon, just so he can have the one that's going to hard counter yours. Exactly, exactly. And... Gone. (laughs) Wow, you heard it here first, friends. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just thought that's really cool again like because that, that's something that beforehand I it was something like oh that'd be really cool to have but actually mentioning like well of course you're a paladin you are gonna rub people up the wrong way you're yeah. going to have people who do not like you like it talks about like okay you could hate so and so but alternatively like flipping it you could suddenly become the target because you become a paladin you draw a lot of attention so yeah. you could be unaware that you have people who do not like you and you could be like a super nice person and yeah. people are just like I will rid the day of you and you're like oh that's not very nice <laughs> why is it whenever it's the super nice paladin that's going oh okay, okay. i always think of the oath of redemption <laughs> just going oh, oh well i hope you change your mind <laughs> So you, you have your the personal goal, you have yes. your um, holy symbol, you have a nemesis. And then, which I think is a great thing to do, is the temptation. Because as we've sort of yeah. alluded to and talked about, uh, we're not all virtuous. It's very hard to keep it. And they have um, a very interesting thing because it's, it's essentially the seven deadly sins minus gluttony in this table, which I thought Ooh. was really interesting. I was like, why get rid of gluttony? I mean, I guess maybe because people are like, maybe they don't see it as a sin anymore. I don't know. Adventurers I, can't fit in their armor. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I think it would be great that you not necessarily gorge yourself on food, but you like the finer things mm. and you only can have the best food and the best water and the best the whatever. Snob paladin. Exactly. I don't, you know, like it doesn't have to be you gorge yourself, become yeah. fat. Because I understand yeah. that that's not very sensitive and stuff. But I thought, oh, that'd be great to just like, you can only have the most exquisite and it, it costs. And that then could go into greed and keeping money and stuff. But yeah. I just thought that was quite good. Quickly sort of move through the other oaths. So we've talked obviously about redemption. The other two other oaths that are, uh, well, there's three other oaths that are official. Oh, there's and then, loads of other oaths. There's now. loads of other oaths. And then there's the Unearth Arcana one. So the other the other, the other one in Xanathar's is Oath of Conquest. Yes. Which is, I would say, an interesting that one. one. Yeah, it's an, it's very hmm, dictatory. <laughs> you know who I think of whenever I hear Oath of Conquest? Gone. Darth Vader. Yeah. Exactly like, that. Full on, it's a Sith Lord oath. The tenants are douse the flame of hope. Rule no, no with... good guy says douse the flame of hope. Rule with an iron fist. I mean, look, it's all metal as hell, isn't it? <laughs> Strength above all. <laughs> it's, just, it's the Sith coat. It's oh, it's so uh, good. The thing which also, I mean, it's the only one in for the oath of conquest that says this. The others are just you take this oath. In the Oath of Conquest, it says, you have the oaths seared onto your upper arm. Ugh. Like, what? Incredibly what kind metal. of selection process is this? <laughs> well, it, obviously, it does talk about, like, well, it makes sense that these could be hell knights or something to do with the nine yeah. hells. Because, yeah. as you said, it's very metal. It's very, like, ah, what's it called? No, my brain. Um, <laughs> I'd love uh, to help. Fury Road, Mad Max Fury oh, Road. Yeah. Where they say, Today is a good day to die. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. And then they're just driving in those hell machines. Yeah. It's exactly the the whole oath of conquest. It is. It's a tyrant oath. Mm. Like you imagine someone who has taken a kingdom or whatever and is holding it through sheer fear alone mm. is an oath of conquest paladin. 
And then sort of on the, the flip side, similar but not similar in the Swords Coast, you have Oath of the Crown, yes. which is obviously, uh, well, not maybe not obviously, but you are dedicated to uh, like the crown, the ideals of civilization. Yeah. You are like the watchers on the wall, I like yeah. to think, you know, uh, it's yeah, an order of knighthoods. It, it, tenants are loyal, law, courage and responsibility. And yeah, like I just feel like it's very um, like on the battlefield, you are an inspiration to those dedicated to the cause. Yeah. So you're very sort of Jon Snow-esque, sort of like, oh, exactly. you know, Aragorn, etc. It's That is a fantastic question. Would Aragorn be a paladin? That's a different, that's a, that's a rabbit hole. Let's not go down mm, there. Probably next a time. fighter, I'd say. <laughs> well, I, I assume he's a fighter. Yeah, or uh, a ranger. He is a ranger. He doesn't yeah. have magic, though. Ranger. Mm, mm. Right. <laughs> so this is a different episode. A different episode, but, but one we may come back to. So you have sort of those two, and then the two newer ones, which we'll quickly go into before yeah. On. So I don't know how much you know about the mythic Odyssey or Theros. You know, I actually don't know much about it at all. Mm, so I know um, it's very much like, uh, isn't it supposed to be sort of like classical era, um, ancient Greek, I always think like uh, the Trojan War kind of portrayal of things. Pretty much bang on. Theros is a Magic the Gathering setting, mm. as like was Ravnica, which was what they sourced before. And essentially, Wizards of the Coast want to get people who are into Magic the Gathering, want to get into D&D, uh, and vice versa, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, you know, and some people are like, no, we want these older settings to be updated and you know what that's an argument that people can have i must say though when i saw the cover of it where you have these horrible hydra type creatures that have a void in them like the stars i was like i want to see what that's about and yeah, that's cool in it like you said it is very greek inspired greek mythos so obviously you have minotaurs as a playable class you have satyrs yeah. uh, you have i can't remember what the actual um race is called but lion people essentially uh, and tritons as well so very sort of i guess monstrous adventurers in a way mm. um but they have a paladin uh, oath called the oath of glory which as you can imagine, is very much a Herculean type of oath. You are... Oh, it would have to be, wouldn't it? You are... Was it the belief that this paladin and their companions are destined to achieve glory through deeds of heroism? Yeah. And basically, it is, it is creating legends about yourself. Uh, peerless athlete is one of your child divinities, so as a bonus action... For the next 10 minutes, you have advantage on strength and dex, so you can carry, push, drag, lift as much uh, weight as possible. You know, you are Hercules. You're, you're Hercules from the hit movie, Hercules. Exactly. Yeah. Um, inspiring smite. Immediately after you deal damage to a creature using divine smite, as a bonus action, you can uh, distribute temporary hit points to creatures of your choice within 30 feet. 2d8 plus levels in this class divided amongst those creatures. So, of course, you're like, ha-ha, we will drive them, these beasts back. And the people are like... Oh shit, yeah, you know. Um, oh shit, yeah. Oh like, shit, that's yeah. How you get rallied. <laughs> oh shit, yeah. Oh yeah, like, we're not gonna die. We're not gonna die. Thank God. Thank God you're here. Thank God Hester. the paladins here. <laughs> Their final thing is just called living legend, where you empower yourself with legends, whether true or exaggerated, of your deeds. <laughs> Brilliant. I really want or exaggerated to be in brackets. <laughs> exactly. So you get, as a bonus action, you get this for the next minute, you get advantage on charisma throws, uh, all yeah. charisma stuff. Each turn you make a weapon attack and you miss, you could just turn that into a hit. <laughs> if you fail a saving throw, you can use your reaction to re-roll it. 
and that's it so you're just like you're just badass it's like yeah it's the retelling of a story but you are the hero and you look fucking amazing in it's it. like it's like when you're uh, when you're a kid and you're telling and you go to school one day and you're telling your friends about how you got in a fight and you like you like beat up all of them and you didn't even get a scratch it's you know it feels like out and out just lying <laughs> but or the most boisterous i'm the best sort of thing literally yeah and that sort of leads into the roleplay aspect so again you, we've talked about like obviously the different kinds of roleplay but like my favorite idea of playing uh paladin are ones that are not even smug just think aha yes we've done it friends and you're like uh okay it's um seahawk from shira if you've ever seen that where you're yeah. like haha and you're like hooray like fist pump and you're like oh, fuck oh, okay god so who let him out who let him out who, who gave him the drink it's very it's very four from avengers you think about yes. it like he's like this is amazing another quick let's go yeah, yeah. i'm i'm gonna make a statement now i don't like the oath of glory <gasps> what why i don't i don't like it i dm'd it and I've looked at the tenets of it compared to the tenets of everything else. And I have to be honest, I think so much of role-playing the Paladin comes from the tenets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, we've got the ancients that it's all about, you know, you keep the light of the forest, the light of nature, you carry that within yourself. Mm-hmm. You are essentially nature's representative. Mm-hmm. Devotion's a little bit depth of huddle if you ask me but what are you gonna do but then you've got vengeance conquest they're very specific they tell you who you are and how you do things mm-hmm. whereas glory to me just feels like you're that guy who won't shut up yes a hundred percent when you see the tenants are actions over words challenges are but tests hone the body <laughs> discipline the soul it's like yeah, very you just you just kind of imagine that the oath of um glory paladin is sat there at the start of the day just boiling up the abs they are the personal trainers of the party <laughs> and you just hate them <laughs> exactly you hate them even though they do good and then quickly finally uh the oath of the watchers which is uh unearthed arcana that's come out yeah. and this is an interesting one i think um because i don't know exactly if again we've not played it ourselves or i certainly i've not played it myself but the idea that you seek to protect the realm or the mortal realm from extra planar creatures and it's very similar that you're you've got tenants of vigilance loyalty and discipline um and you it's constantly watching and waiting for something to happen Mm. and when you it's very um who's the guy that protects the bridge in the four films is it himmel heimnell this is very bad I think we it should, is. We should know. It's we Idris should. Elba, essentially. It's Idris Elba. That, <laughs> Basically, that's... Idris Elba and everything. Yeah. Again, your final form, as it were, the mortal bulwark. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Too late, I've said it. Um, we've committed now. <laughs> we've committed now. Is You have advantage on attack rolls against elementals, fey, fiends, and aberrations. And like these things that are just beyond the mortal realm. And it's... I always in my own little headcanon, always understood them as, yeah, as you said, a mix between Heimdall from the Marvel films, but also kind of like if a Call of Cthulhu investigator mm. instead just goes, no, I'm going to fight this thing. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's seen the like horrors of mm. interdimensional 
extra planar things because like if you look at some of the stuff in D&D like I wrote an entire campaign around Hadar the hunger mm-hmm. which the legend is literally just if you look at the sky for long enough there is a chance you may see a star go out as mm-hmm. the hunger eats just eats planets and suns for me the oath of watchers seems like an order of people that just got together and said we we will travel space and time to stop this kind of a bit like the horizon walker ranger mm. and i think it's such a fascinating because yeah it is it is keep vigilant isn't it mm. you don't imagine when you hear about this oath that they have the one world that they're stuck on i almost imagine kind of a bit like the green lanterns actually Mm, yeah in the you know it's like okay your paladin is given this world to look after you have to look after it yeah no i like Um, that whether or not they're actually from the world is another thing altogether yeah yeah no i like that that's because we always think that paladins are they go off and go fight the evil rather than staying and fighting evil like almost like um a home uh, i almost said well it's true almost like dad's army but yep. possibly <laughs> possibly not uh veterans or, or yeah. uh, uh that sort of thing yeah so you have so many different options and so many different flavors and styles so you don't necessarily have to be the knight in shiny armor and you like as we've discussed you can play it any way you want you can play it comedically seriously yeah. dark edge lovely or as straight lace as you want and as long as i think my only bit of advice i guess for role playing a paladin from my perspective as someone who did play one once and then obviously has to play with one uh, on every week <laughs> um, is and i say this about every sort of role playing thing is to give the that spotlight moment to each of the players in turn and yeah. when they say something it's not necessarily like what the the paladin is sucking all the fun out or they're doing this bah. it's that's one way of reacting to it but yeah. maybe take a moment and think of a response than rather an instant reaction because it's not because what like we said paladins aren't necessarily us we have elements of being a paladin in all of us i'd like to hope be a good world if we all did yeah that's so true but it's a listening to someone who let's face it and i say this obviously from experience as david as a de facto leader of uh, tba mondays you sometimes you sometimes have to make the difficult choices and and that's again another interesting role play aspect where you sort of have to go back on yourself and actually who is going to take the big fallout from here is it the, the people at the side of you who are clearly offer their own sort of like chaotic stuff and dealing with stuff or is it you who have to answer to a higher calling that you hold yourself to that is one of the things which i've found most interesting i and considering there's a paladin and the minute a character gets that sense of that sense of responsibility mm-hmm. this is the thing i i'm not saying any class is more particularly suited to being quote-unquote no. party leader some parties just don't have a party leader for good or ill democracy <laughs> yay if any class is probably most suited to it i think it's probably the paladin because mm-hmm. mechanically speaking like the aura for instance mm-hmm. the minute you get that the party will surge around you you are the center point mm-hmm. and it's like since my paladin hit level six suddenly it was cool let's stand next to this guy mm-hmm. and I think that almost naturally lends itself to the one that is righteous, the one that is most set on the path, is the one that's going to 
push and maybe does end up in that leadership position. Mm-hmm. And I know some people really rebel against the idea of a D&D party leader. It's, I think it's this fear that party leader equals protagonist, hmm. which I get. I, under, I understand that concern. Personally, I don't think it does. I mean, this is a whole other discussion, I suppose. But I would say when you have, especially a paladin, in that position, it's as much as a challenge for them as it is for the other party members. Like, for instance, to quote an example from our game, you know, we had a very sticky situation with a vampire. <laughs> the paladin, at least in the case of mine being an oath of lawful good, oath of vengeance paladin, is was most likely to someone needed to stay behind and essentially sacrifice themselves. He did that, but at the same point then realized later on, he can't do that. He shouldn't do that. The party works better together. Yep. And it's this, <laughs> it's this great understanding of all the different cogs, all the different aspects. I'm pretty sure I've completely lost my point and I'm rambling. No, I think, because this example is very important, because I certainly remember that session, you were like, because uh, in my head I was like, okay, this is happening. The, he's got a plan though. And then afterwards, it obviously split up the party and <laughs> yeah, Sam's was... character was like, what do we do? And I was like, oh no. Not me. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. There was they were hopelessly outmatched. There was no plan. His idea was just get my friends out of here. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, it's something which I find so much fun about playing the class. But also on the subject of like role playing them, I know so many people shy away from lawful good because they think it's dull or it doesn't give you the same freedom and you know what i'm gonna throw my hands in the air now and say when i first made my paladin i was the same i i remember talking to ryan about it and i'm i'm saying because i look you know as you know i had a multi-classing image a hex blade which became a whole other thing that's that's a whole different story that's, that's never that's never rid its head in ugly ways <laughs> and i remember saying to ryan that I saw two ways of the paladin going. You would either go more towards the kind of chaotic good aspects, you kind of lean more into fey ancestry and more towards being a hexblade, mm-hmm. or if he stuck to his his order, these group of zealots, he would go more towards lawful neutral because they are not the good guys. But the thing which I've actually found, so I was pretty adamant that one way or the other he wasn't staying lawful good. Mm-hmm. The thing I've actually found to be the most fun is the challenge of having a character that identifies himself as lawful good and wants to stay that way in the sake of, and I think this works for Paladin. It can work for other lawful good characters. I'm not saying it can't, but I think it works for Paladins due to the strength of the oath mm-hmm. in that you're in a situation, especially if you're lawful good, you're in a situation and something happens. Do you do the lawful thing or do you do the good thing? And sometimes, more often than not, they are completely different. different, yeah. What's more important to you, order or morality? I think that's a good thing to end on, David. We've run out of time completely, but this has been fucking fascinating. Like, I've really enjoyed it. Of course, <laughs> of course yeah, you got to talk about your character. No. <laughs> you so read David, me like a book, Fiona. I do. So, David, is there anything you would like to plug or anything, any any interesting things you're up to or anything like that um 
nothing interesting I'm up to because naturally we're in the time of the great indoors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the great plague. I mean, I'm going to be super cheesy though and just outright plug my amazing friend's wonderful podcast. Oh no. <laughs> So there's What Am I Rolling, which mm -hmm. is absolutely phenomenal. I think that needs the plug more than anything. Yeah. Any particular episodes you want to plug, David? <laughs> there was one where we tried to fix Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Mars and Colony, yeah. You and I tried, yeah, we played Mars Colony. You and I tried to fix Mars, and halfway through, I remember, I think not even halfway through, it was like three quarters of the way through, but we were steamrolling through it. Yeah. We were doing absolutely fantastic. And then it all went wrong. Proper proper dive bomb. Well, it got to the point where it all stood on one roll. And I remember just rolling it and just not even looking. <laughs> and you're just staring at like, just tell me what it is for you. <laughs> we really need to do the sequel at some point. We, uh, we do need to do the sequel. We'll, we'll make a plan you, for it. But you yes. need to try and save Mars this time. I it's need a to better oh, good job Lord. than me. Oh. Well, uh, I will add on to that. So, yes. I'm Fiona, and I run What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Um, there's a glowing review there. It's great. It's doing well. I always do this. I always forget to like plan anything. It's, yeah. um, it's great. Please listen. Brilliant. Thank you so much, David, for joining us. I will have to have you back on for, for more, finding out what class Aragorn is, like do oh, a BuzzFeed yeah, article yeah, or We'll something. be arguing that for ages now. Oh, can you imagine? That's a BuzzFeed article. What classes the Lord of the Rings characters are. There must be one. We're going to have There's to find it. There's got to be. There's got to be. Uh, well, but we'll figure it out. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank Bye. you so much. See you. <laughs>